the Coon Street podcast is doing these short 10-minute segments during our lockdown. And this is Gary Wolf. And today I am uh, pleased to be spending 10 or more minutes with E. Lily Yu. Let's um, start out with our usual uh, litany of questions. Are you reading anything? Are you able to read anything during this bizarre time? I'm able to read all the things I wasn't planning on reading, and I'm having a <laughs> tough time reading the things I was hoping to read. Um, I really enjoyed the structure of The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenhas, and I just finished Neil Irwin's How to Win in a Winner-Take-All World, which, despite the title, is actually a quite humanistic and high-integrity book about staying, really? curi- yeah, about staying curious uh, wherever you are and learning as much as you can. Uh, what I'm really looking forward to reading is Sarah Pinsker's A Song for a New Day and Rick Wilbur's Rambunctious, which just arrived in the mail this week. Uh, I can tell you that the song for a new day is getting a lot of discussion these days. I saw it here. I hear it's very good. Well, it's a very good novel, and and it's uh, it, it's the thing that uh, I guess um, most of the pandemic novels, and it's not a pandemic novel. It involves terrorism and that sort of thing. But the idea that people are afraid to gather in groups is something that you know, by and large, we hadn't thought much of. And now it's every day. Now it's every day. Well, are there any things that um, that you would think of as, as kind of comfort food? Because we, we hear people saying this is uh, OK, this this is t- this is time to catch up on Dombey and Son or, or, or something. Or the, the, the great long novels that you could never read. And other people saying, I don't want to do that. I just want to read dumb murder mysteries. Where are you in that spectrum? I try to I try to accept where I am every single day, which is different from the day before. Uh-huh. This week, for example, I managed to set my blender on fire. So I, I have low expectations. It's a long story. It was a secondhand blender. But still, it's impressive. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you just, whatever brings you joy, take that joy, run with it. I don't care what the heck it is. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, uh, anything that you've gone back to in the past that, that, that you just like some people reread. I don't know. Somebody said they reread the Once and Future King every couple of years, uh, or they'll they'll go back to uh, classic murder mysteries, or they'll just read cookbooks. Um, that sounds relaxing. Uh, I don't reading, know that I actually uh, reading cookbooks is absolutely fascinating, especially if you know you're never going to cook that stuff. <laughs> Aspirational. Aspirational, and it takes the pressure out of it. It takes a sense of, I really ought to do that, but that's way too much work, and it, it never looks the way it does. You know, cookbooks are a remarkably condensed um, form of dramatic storytelling. I remember this one recipe, I think it was uh, from a Martha Stewart website, hmm. in which a tremendous amount of drama, frustration, and tragedy were contained in the one line, a whole chicken cut into six pieces. Right. You know, you're right. You you'd think you'd think otherwise. It sounds it sounds very banal, but once you have a cleaver halfway into a chicken and no idea how to take it into two pieces, much less six, uh you, you start to appreciate the, the brevity of the form. I guess that's true. Uh and I and I think also that when you look at I don't know how we got onto this, but I used to have an old copy of the joy of cooking from the forties or something. So much and butter. So much better because they assume butter. That you know how to do things right. So much butter. Well, that's that's the other thing. I met a guy once um, who was an, a British children's literature scholar. Uh, haven't seen him in years, but his weird hobby was collecting Elizabethan cookbooks. 
and basically every recipe was you 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 get a you get a squab and you soak you, you take its innards out you pack it with butter you fry it in butter you serve it with butter everything is butter and i finally realized what that meant was that in pre-refrigeration times if you were able to make butter you had to use it all then i didn't think of that that makes a lot of sense so in, in, and i'm sure those recipes probably by today's standards were absolutely deadly but uh, it's it's still you're right that's a, that's a narrative form in its purest distillation isn't it yep and some of the french cooking recipes make you really want to invade france and that's true too exactly well, let's get to the third part of what we usually talk about here. What have you got? I know you've got a novel coming out this fall, so so tell us about that. I've got uh, On Fragile Waves coming out um, currently December 8th from Erewhon Books with tremendous gratitude to Liz Gorinsky for believing in this book and my agent, Marcus Hoffman. I spent about eight years on this book. Um, I think it's the best thing I've written, and I'm really happy it's coming out. Now, this is a novel which I'm, I've, I've seen on... Um, well, you're dealing with a brand new publisher as well, which is exciting. Uh, but the description of it, and I always wonder about this because I haven't seen it yet, and then, and I'm always curious as to how um, how much input you have into public relations descriptions, because it says somewhere between uh, realistic and uh, magic realism, and I don't, to be honest, know what magic realism means anymore. You know. I think you could probably write a couple dozen dissertations on that divide. I suspect that's going on right now in graduate schools all over the world. From home. Yeah, right. Um, but um, I guess I guess I guess what those of us who uh, grew up in genre always wonder is does uh, is, is this a way of of sort of eluding fantasy elements in a in, in a in a story? I think it's more to accurately prepare the reader for what to expect i say that I mean, with some uh some accuracy because the entire point of the novel is to surprise and horrify the reader in oh, a yeah. whole lot of ways stylistically but uh it doesn't have enough it doesn't have enough genre elements to satisfy the people who are looking for a pure fantasy novel so this is one way of giving them a heads up about what to expect I okay that, that 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 makes sense i mean there are um, there are writers. I mean, I, I, I know, for example, uh, um, at least one Cuban American writer who you might have met because she's been at ICRA a couple of times, um, uh, Diana Chaviano, who had written uh, a novel which she thought was a fantasy novel. And by being essentially a Latinx author, everybody said it was magic realism. And that's fine if you want to look at it that way. But I mean, it, 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 it seems to me it was also a fantasy novel. Um, I don't know that I can make make that claim for this novel. It's it's much more heavily realistic than most fantasy novels. Okay, I mean I'm not I'm I'm not trying to yank it into the fantasy world, uh, but you're welcome to. Well, you have a lot of readers who uh, enjoy. Of course, you're in, of course, none of your stories have exactly been normal fantasies, have they? Well, I don't know that I or any other writer are considered normal by any sense of the word. Um, that's a good. That's a good answer. Um, We're all strange in our own ways. Well, I'm thinking the. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm I'm blanking on the title. The 
the story of the story about snow that you had at Tor.com at the end of the last year. The time invariance of snow. The time invariance of snow, uh, right? Which clearly drew on fairy tales and drew on physics and drew on philosophy, uh, but didn't draw on traditional narrative fantasy or science fiction arcs at all, as far as I can tell. No, it's actually following uh, Hans Christian Andersen's original story structure, but it's in large part inspired by um, some work I did in college, both on Shannon Entropy and on uh, Chen Shengwu, who was, uh, well, uh, a physicist who should have won the Nobel Prize, but didn't. Uh-huh. Oh, that's okay. That's not who I thought you were referring to in that passage. Um, because there was a famous American physicist who had the same problem. I'm uh, sure it's common. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is as well. So the, the but but the the kind of uh, really unusual and really original fiction. I mean, you've had one of the most distinctive voices. Uh, I was I was going to say for a long time, but it hasn't been that long, has it? Uh, About a decade now. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, do you have any other short fiction that's coming out in the near future? I do. Um, now I curse myself for having long titles that I have to look up. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I have The Talking War in Psy Wars, edited by Josh Viola. That's coming out May 15th. Um, and an account by Dr. Inge Kuhn of the Summer Expedition and its Discoveries in uh, John Joseph Adams' um, anthology about lost worlds. Um, I did have a story sale, but I am not sh everything's frozen in that part of the world right now, so that's a question mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's the case with a lot of people. Um, so these are both coming out in, as far as we know, in 2019. As far as we know. I also oh. I also promised Joe Walton a story by the end of today, which is uh, an exciting proposition because I have not been able to write anything new since the lockdown started. Oh, really? Is yep. that... Um, well, I, you're not the only person who's who said that. On the other hand, uh, is that by any chance for the new Decameron? Uh, it is. It is. And so today's today's exciting uh, challenge for myself is: Do I disappoint a kind and generous person, or do I break through this block? Stay tuned. I don't know how to help break through the block. I mean, I've I've, I've talked to some people who find that they're just getting more work done than ever, uh, and other people who have said and 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 brilliant writers on both sides of this divide that they're scattered that their their mind is all over the place that they can't uh, which, which is i think one of the reasons people go back to you know comfort reading or binge watching you know frankenstein on television since it's there for a week um and i don't know if there's any answer to to that kind of a block i mean it's it's something you'd better find an answer to within the next few months because i have a feeling it's not going to change a lot before the end of the year I think it's the problem is less the block and more um, the present exercise of learning to accept where we are and be okay with ourselves, whether or not we can write, whether or not we can do anything productive at all, just to, to redefine our expectations for ourselves in a, in a loving way. I think that this is an interesting time and an interesting opportunity for everyone everywhere to try that. Find out what they really want to be doing. I mean, you're not, you're not talking about the classic imposter syndrome, are you? Uh, no, I'm talking about learning how to be kind to yourself. Really, truly kind and patient with yourself. That's that's an excellent uh, an excellent way of putting it. I'm trying. I'm not well, successful yet, but I'm trying. Okay, well, um, 
I think we're about at the end of our 10-minute segment, but uh, thank you for being with us. Again, this has been um, the Cood Street Podcast, 10 minutes with E. Lily Yu, who's on Fragile Waves. A short title and easy to remember, by the way. Uh, As thanks to Liz. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Liz Gorinsky. Well, um, this again has been the Cood Street Podcast. Thank you so much, Lily. Thank you so much for having me.